Hello and Happy New Year. I'm Nick White, the Knowledge Lawyer for the Pensions Team here at Travis Smith. Welcome to our podcast summary of the latest issue of What's Happening in Pensions, or WIP. This is our regular update on pensions legal developments. This time I'm joined by Pensions Senior Counsel Chris Widdison to give you a brief outline of some key developments in the last month or so. There's much more detail in the briefing itself. You can find it on our website if you're not already there. Just Google Travis Smith Pensions. This whip is longer than usual, and that's in no small part due to the Chancellor of the Exchequer. He gave his autumn statement on the 22nd of November, and alongside that we got a lot of government responses and other announcements. These generally concern the push for pension funds to help with UK economic growth, including by DB scheme investment and much greater consolidation of DC scheme assets, which the government believes will also improve member outcomes. You can find much more detail in WIP itself, but what we cover there can be summarised briefly as follows. You go first, Chris. Options for defined benefit schemes. The government will encourage schemes to consider running on and investing in growth rather than de-risking by making surplus easier to extract, including a reduction of the 35% tax rate for surplus refunds to 25%. It will consult on this and also on proposals for a public consolidator to be run by the PPF, aimed at schemes that are unattractive to insurers and super funds. There may also be an option for schemes that meet certain criteria to pay a higher PPF levy to secure 100% member protection. On to trustee skills, capability and culture. The pensions regulator will be setting up a register of trustees to help it to communicate and collect information. Professional trustees will be encouraged and potentially expected, though not required, to seek accreditation. Regarding the productive investment agenda, the regulator is working on guidance to help trustees to consider the full range of investment options. And those who train trustees on investment matters are encouraged to include alternative asset classes. DC decumulation, the government has confirmed that it will impose duties on trustees to offer decumulation options to DC members. They will need to offer a suite of suitable products and services, including a generic default option. Schemes will be allowed to partner with external providers. Clearly, high quality communication will be essential here. TPR will produce guidance in the meantime to encourage trustees to adopt this approach voluntarily. In the future, the government sees collective DC as a decumulation options that schemes will offer, but first they need to explore how to establish an appropriate model and then legislate to allow such a model, which will take time. Value for money now, and the FCA will be consulting in the spring on detailed rules for the new value for money framework for DC workplace pensions. As previously announced, this will extend to much more than just costs and charges. The FCA doesn't regulate occupational pension schemes, of course, but changing the law for them needs primary legislation, so it will take longer. The government is encouraging occupational schemes to engage with the FCA consultation, suggesting that the same or very similar rules may well eventually apply to them too. New investment vehicles, as well as committing £250 million to two successful bidders under the LIFTS initiative, that's Long-Term Investment for Technology and Science, the government will set up a new growth fund within the British Business Bank. This is designed to help pension schemes to invest in promising UK businesses. Separately, a venture capital investment compact signed by 20 UK venture capital and growth equity firms is intended to support the Mansion House Compact, on which we reported last time, under which certain pension providers pledged to increase DC pension fund investment in unlisted companies. Small DC pots. Here we had a re-announcement that the government will be taking forward the multiple default consolidators model for transferring small deferred DC pots. 
small pots of less than £1,000 initially would be automatically transferred to a default consolidator scheme if there have been no contributions for a year. This would be a scheme of which the individual is already a member if there is one, otherwise a carousel approach would apply. This will need a central clearinghouse to allow this information to be checked, but it won't be part of the pensions dashboards ecosystem. Industry Group is taking this project forward. For the longer term, the government is seeking input on the pros and cons of a lifetime provider or pot for life system. Under this, employers would have to contribute to whatever pension arrangement the worker is signed up to. That's probably unless the employer provides a better offering itself. You can give your views on that if you wish until the 24th of January. Away from the autumn statement now, we heard from the pensions regulator at a parliamentary evidence session that they expect the new funding and investment regulations to be introduced in the new year and enforced by April, effective for schemes with valuation dates from autumn 2024. The TPR code of practice would also be in place in time for that. It seems that there will be changes from the draft version to address questions around investment in growth assets. On to the abolition of the lifetime allowance, which will be keeping us busy in the first quarter of 2024 and doubtless beyond. The abolition from 6th of April 2024 is confirmed and we now have the finance bill with more than 100 pages of text designed to achieve that and seeking to deal with all the consequential issues. The good news is that the legislation now won't give pension freedoms to DV members and there won't be new income tax charges for those who inherit drawdown funds and choose to draw them in instalments. But there are still issues with the draft legislation, especially as regards the transitional measures. We're working through the draft legislation and hope to be able to raise issues with HMRC through the industry body committees on which several of us here at Travis Smith sit. The government has responded to the select committee report on DB pension schemes use of LDI, that's liability driven investment, in light of the gilts market turmoil that followed the September 2022 mini budget. Work continues with the help of the pensions regulator, with the report expected before the end of the year. Going forward, TPR will be collecting more information to keep an eye on this area, and the government agrees that the pensions regulator should incorporate financial stability considerations into its decision-making, balancing these with its regulatory objectives. But the government has not yet decided whether or not to bring investment consultants within the FCA's regulatory perimeter. Behind the scenes, work continues on pensions dashboards. There's cons consultation with the industry on the stage dates by which government guidance will expect schemes to connect. This should be published in the spring. And PASA, the Pensions Administration Standards Association, has recently published new guidance to help industry providers to work with their clients to prepare for connection. The pensions regulator has updated its cybersecurity guidance with reference to its draft general code of practice, which still seems to be stuck in the long grass. The key takeaway from this is TPR asking to be informed of any significant cyber incident, even if there is no legal requirement to do that, and even where the information commissioner is also being informed. There's also greater attention paid to the risk of incidents affecting third parties engaged by trustees, and greater expectations of trustees in that regard. The PPF has announced the pension protection levy rules for the 2024-25 levy year. It's going ahead with its consultation proposals, which will mean reduced levies for nearly all schemes. It would, would like to charge even less, but the way the legislation is written means that that would pretty much prevent it from putting the levy back up again. The law may be changed, but that's for another year. In the meantime, note that the deadline for certifying or recertifying contingent assets, such as guarantees, this year falls on Easter Sunday. 
Moving on to the realm of the Pensions Ombudsman, we have recently had its first decision on a complaint about trustees operating the amber or red flag procedure under the conditions for transfers regulations that came into force two years ago. In this case, after deciding on advice that an amber flag was triggered, the trustee required a member to take safeguarding guidance from Money Helper. The member claimed that this was an incorrect interpretation of the regulations which caused his transfer to be unnecessarily delayed. The member wanted to transfer to a personal pension scheme under which he would be invested in global funds. On a literal reading of the regulations, the trustee concluded, on advice, that it had reason to believe that there were overseas investments that triggered the amber flag rules. The Ombudsman decided that the trustee's actions were not unreasonable and did not constitute maladministration. We haven't yet had a decision on a complaint where trustees in similar circumstances chose not to conclude that the amber flag rules were engaged. It is open to the Ombudsman to decide that neither trustee conclusion is unreasonable. The outcome of these cases will always depend to some degree on the surrounding facts. And staying with the Ombudsman, and he's been on the wrong end of a Court of Appeal decision on the question whether or not the Ombudsman is a competent court. When trustees have overpaid benefits, they often want to recoup the overpaid amount by deductions from future instalments of pension. The Pensions Act 1995 only allows this if there is no dispute or if the obligation to the scheme has become enforceable under an order of a competent court. In the case in question, the Ombudsman had rejected the member's complaint about the trustee's decision to offset the amount owed to the scheme and said that the legislative requirement was satisfied because his decision was an order of a competent court. The Court of Appeal upheld the High Court's decision that the Ombudsman isn't a competent court for these purposes, but Lady Justice Asplin, giving the unanimous judgment, said that this did not mean that the trustees have to go and persuade a court that the money is owed. Rather, they can take the Ombudsman's decision to a county court and get it validated as a purely administrative procedure. This then renders it enforceable. She pointed out that there is an existing court procedure that could be used for this. We don't think it is suitable as it stands, but it could be made to work. In the meantime, the Ombudsman has expressed disappointment and replaced his fact sheet on the case with a new one. It seems that at some point we'll get amending legislation to avoid the need to involve the county courts. In risk transfer news, the pensions regulator has written a blog post on capital back to journey plans, setting out its expectations where trustees are considering entering into such an arrangement. These involve a third party providing capital to support scheme risks, while the scheme's assets are invested in a higher expected return portfolio with higher risks than may otherwise be appropriate. And Superfund consolidator Clara Pensions has completed its first transaction. It has taken a transfer of the assets and liabilities of the Sears pension scheme. Clara operates a bridge to buyout model, with the intention being to buy out these liabilities with an insurer in five to ten years time. I think we've talked for almost long enough, but very briefly in other news, the FCA has published a policy statement on sustainability disclosure requirements and a consultation on anti-greenwashing rules. These are designed for the protection of retail customers, but institutional investors such as pension schemes can probably expect to see changes in how funds are labelled and described. Regulations effective from the end of the year will ensure that some EU case law does not cease to apply, which it otherwise could have done when the retained EU law Revocation and Reform Act 2023 disapplies some categories of retained EU law. 
the regulations preserved the Hampshire and Hughes cases on adequate pension protection in circumstances of insolvency, the Walker case on equal survivor pensions for same-sex spouses, and, with some uncertainty, the Allenby case on the need or otherwise for discrimination complainants to point to a real-life comparator of the opposite sex. The Court of Appeal has ruled in favour of HMRC in a case where the employer made a payment to employees to compensate them for adverse future service pension changes. It held that these payments were subject to income tax. The government is asking for views on what to do about the UK EMEA pension schemes exemption that's currently due to expire in June 2025. This relates to the requirement, or otherwise, to clear certain classes of OTC derivatives contracts. And the government has confirmed that it will go ahead with restrictions on companies and other corporates acting as directors of companies. This will be permitted but subject to restrictions. In our context, the issue can arise when a professional trustee firm acts as a director of a pension scheme trustee company. If you'd like any more information on anything in WIP, please get in touch with your usual Travis Smith contact or you can email pensions at traverssmith.com. You can sign up on our website to be sent email alerts when we publish new briefings. And for more news and commentary, do please follow Travis Smith Pensions on LinkedIn. Thanks very much for listening.